Please stand as we read God's word. Once again, Luke 14, 7 through 14. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son, oops, excuse me. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Good morning. So we are, as Mark said, in, this, in the middle of this series on talking about how we take this life that God has given us and let that life overflow into the lives around us. And we're spending the next couple of weeks talking specifically about sharing God's love where we live, where we work, and where we play. And we're spending two weeks talking about where we live, this idea of neighboring. We've already heard how God uses deep, deep pathology to bring redemption in our lives. Last week, we looked at Jesus' command, love your neighbor as yourself. And we asked the question, what if we actually took that word neighbor literally? He means more than that, but he at least means that. What would it look like to love the people right around us? Here's the map of all of our home addresses. Some of you may not find yourself here, but most of us are on here. What would it look like if we started to simply love those around us as ourselves? I was reading this book recently where a group of pastors in the Denver area were getting together to try to figure out how can we make a difference in, in Denver? And so they met with the mayor and they asked him the question, you know, how, how can we as churches best work together to serve our city? And they were wondering, are there some cool citywide projects we can do? You know, what can we do together? And the mayor's response was this. He said, you know what? The majority of the issues that our community is facing would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we could just figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. And then the mayor was telling pastors how relationships are more important than programs. <laughs> he said, you know, they were thinking of some, what's some citywide thing we can do? He's like, you know what? If people would just neighbor well, so many of the problems in our cities would be reduced. And it's so true. Good cities start with good streets and good neighborhoods. And then one of the other city officials went on to say this. This was the convicting part. From the city's perspective, there isn't a noticeable difference in how Christians and non-Christians neighbor in our city. So whatever Christians do on Sundays, or they live, we don't, from, from a city perspective, we don't see a, a strong difference in how Christians and non-Christians neighbor. 
And so we're taking two weeks to talk about this idea of neighboring well, loving our neighbors as ourselves. And today I want to talk about a very core biblical practice that is connected with neighboring, and it is the practice of hospitality. This fundamental Christian practice of hospitality. Last week I said we all are going to do neighboring in our own ways according to our own gifts. It's going to look different for all of us. And so I want to say that again. But that being said, I want to say there is a core practice of hospitality that we're all called to engage in as Christians. And we just have to figure out what does that look like for each one of us given our particular giftings, our particular circumstances. So it doesn't have to look one way, but there's a, there's a fundamental biblical command towards hospitality. So we're talking about hospitality today. I don't know what that word conjures up for you. Uh, John Piper defines it this way. I think this is a pretty helpful starting point. Hospitality is welcoming people into our homes who don't ordinarily belong there. (laughs) Okay, I mean, we can be, we can practice hospitality with each other, but biblically, the the sense is you're welcoming people into your lives and your homes that maybe wouldn't ordinarily belong there. And for us, for many of us, that might be our neighbors, the people on our streets. We don't think of them as ordinarily belonging there. Uh, but that's what hospitality is. The, the Greek word uh, for hospitality that our English translates as hospitality is literally uh, a word that means love of the stranger. Okay? So let me give you an example. This is Hebrews 13.1. The author says, continue in brotherly love. That would be love among fellow believers. And then he says, and don't neglect hospitality. So your Greek lesson for the day, uh, brotherly love, that word is a compound word, philo, which means love, plus, plus adelphos, which means brother. We know the city called Philadelphia, right? The, the city of brotherly love. So he says, continue in philo adelphos. And then he says, and don't neglect philo, that's, or philo, that's love, plus xenos. And xenos is stranger. Right? We know xenophobia, someone who's afraid of people from different cultures and different places. So brotherly love, but hospitality is that word, love of stranger. I'm reading a book right now uh, called Making Room. It's on hospitality by Christine Pohl. It's really good. This is how she describes hospitality, this love of stranger. In hospitality, the stranger is welcomed into a safe, personal, and comfortable place, a place of respect and acceptance and friendship. Such welcome involves attentive listening and a mutual sharing of lives and life stories. It requires an openness of heart, a willingness to make one's life visible to others, and a generosity of time and resources. It's a pretty good description of biblical hospitality. And in our case, often the stranger is our very neighbor. (laughs) People who have been living next to us for years. And so that's the connection between hospitality and neighboring. And I want to today, I want to give a a biblical overview of hospitality. Before before I do that, I just want to acknowledge two things about hospitality. The first is this, hospitality is a dying practice in today's modern world. Would you agree? Okay. In the ancient world where the Bible, when the Bible was written, uh, the whole world was dependent on hospitality. Okay? People would travel from place to place. They were utterly dependent. The whole thing worked because people would open up their homes and invite people, and they had larger extended families at the time, so it was easier. But the ancient world was, it, hospitality was intrinsic to the ancient world working. In our modern context, and especially the Western modern world where things have been so individualized now, hospitality has really been institutionalized. 
when you think about it. Now we have hospitals, right, which are wonderful things. We have hostels. We have hotels. We have a whole hospitality industry, right? It's all been institutionalized, and so we don't feel the need as much to certainly open our homes to the stranger. We wouldn't even consider doing that today. We don't experience the need for hospitality. Uh, Last weekend, my wife and I got away to San Francisco for, for one night, and we ate great food. We stayed in a really nice place, and I never experienced myself receiving any hospitality in that time. I didn't think of it that way. I thought of, I looked online for some services, I paid for those services, and I received good goods for those services. I didn't think of myself as receiving hospitality. It's been institutionalized, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I, all that to say, it's, it's a dying practice. But I would argue hospitality, genuine hospitality, is more needed today than ever before. Because in our modern world, people are living very isolated lives, very fragmented lives. Families are more fragmented than they've ever been, right? People are living very fast-paced lives, technologically driven. They're, they're always tied to their cell phones. They're always texting. They're always tweeting. All these Facebook friends, right? But hardly any genuine human-to-human conversation in contact. And what is needed more now than ever is something that is actually very simple. <laughs> what people need is something very simple. They need to be welcomed into a home <laughs> more now than ever before. They need to be welcomed into a home, into an apartment, into some space where they're able to slow down. They're able to eat together. They're able to have sustained conversation, a place where they are received, where they are accepted, where they are welcomed. More now than ever, people need that very simple practice. And we can always, you know, go out to eat with people. That's good too. But there's something beautiful about having someone into your space. There's something very personal about someone coming into your space. They see the pictures on the wall of your family and your experiences. They, they see the books that you read. If you've got kids, they get to see the way your kids live their lives. There's something vulnerable and, and more intimate about actually bringing someone into your space. Uh, The Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, when we came to you, we didn't just share the gospel with you, but we we shared our lives with you. And hospitality is one of these ways that we we actually share our lives with people, sometimes even people who we consider strangers up until that point. You with me? Yep. All right, so what I want to do today is, is give you a quick Bible overview of hospitality, and then we're going to talk practically. How do we each practice this? We're going to hear some stories again, just like we heard last week. So quick Bible overview. I'm going to move pretty quickly. I want to start with a couple New Testament commands to practice hospitality. Two verses. First, Romans 12, 12 through 3. Paul says, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And he says this, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. That word practice, uh, possibly a better translation would be pursue hospitality, strive for hospitality. And my point in bringing this up is Paul saying hospitality is not something you should just be open to. It should be something you actively pursue. You're looking for opportunities to practice hospitality, to welcome the stranger, people who might need a welcoming, whether into your home or into your life, okay? This is something we pursue. We're not just open to it. 
Second passage, uh, Apostle Peter says it this way. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And then here it is. Offer hospitality to one another. And I like this tag. Without grumbling. (laughs) There's a posture that we're supposed to have. It's not resentful hospitality. But we want to be the kind of person who finds joy in welcoming people into our lives, into our homes, who creates a space for others without grumbling. So hospitality is not just a spiritual gift that certain Christians have, though certain Christians may be very good at it. It is a call to all Christians to be hospitable people. And as we'll see, it's because hospitality is a reflection of the gospel itself. Uh, Hospitality, to go back to the Old Testament, has some real deep roots in the Old Testament story. There's this consistent theme of hospitality that's given to the Israelites to welcome the stranger. And the reason is that theme of welcoming the stranger is actually intrinsic, if you think about this, to Israel's own story. Okay, the story of the Israelites is this. They were the stranger. (laughs) Okay? They were slaves in Egypt, right? They were the outsiders. They were aliens living in a foreign land. And what God did with them is he practiced hospitality with strangers. He rescued them from slavery in Egypt, and then he welcomed them into a covenant relationship with himself. And he gave them a home to dwell in, in the promised land. He took strangers and he welcomed them in. And that story and their their understanding, their identity as stranger now become chosen people welcomed by God, that was to shape how they then interacted with those around them. Let me just show you two passages. I could give you many. Exodus 23, 9. This is God speaking to the Israelites. You shall not oppress a stranger. Why? Because you know the heart of a stranger. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Or one more. Leviticus 19, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as the native among you. Listen to this. And you shall love him as yourself. Why? Because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And I, I am the Lord your God. You know what it's like to be a stranger, to be on the outside, and then to be received and brought in and become a people and to be given a home. And so I don't want you to ever forget, you are stranger turned chosen person. And so as you look out at the world of strangers, I want you to have that same posture that you want to be for them what I was for you, God says. The the command is grounded in who they were. All right, so that's a little Old Testament route. And now moving to the life and teaching of Jesus. I know this is like a crash course, five-minute crash course on hospitality. But when you get to the life of Jesus, this is where the idea of hospitality really takes on, I think, some amazing, beautiful dynamics. Now, let's start with his explicit teaching, okay? And that's, I'm, I'm taking us to the passage that Brady just read to us. So I want you to look at uh, Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 7. Jesus has some things to say about hospitality. Uh, the context is Jesus has been invited to a Pharisee's house <laughs> as a guest, and he says some things that I imagine uh, ended the party early, I would guess. You know, he probably was not invited back to this Pharisee's house. Um, but he starts in verse 7 by saying something that's actually really common sense and obvious 
Anyone, everyone would agree with what he says, uh, verse uh, 8 through 11. He says, hey, when you come to a party, you know, don't take the place of honor, right? Because maybe you're not the person of honor at the party, and then it's going to be really embarrassing to say, actually, you need to leave this seat. You need to go over here. No, start in a humble place, and then they can call you forward, and you will be honored that way. Because that's just common sense. There's nothing radical about that. That would not surprise anybody in an honor and shame culture. That's the right thing to do. But then he says something in verse 12 through 14 that I promise you nobody would have expected him to say. This is the really surprising thing. He says it to the host. He says, and when you throw parties, when you have people over, don't invite your friends. <laughs> you know, uh, don't invite your family, uh, certainly not your rich neighbors, because they could repay you for that. When you throw parties, and I don't think he's actually saying this is how we have to do it all the time, but he's trying to develop a principle. When you throw parties, I want you to invite these four people, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. They can't repay you. They can't reciprocate uh, with you. So invite them, and you will be blessed. Radical in that time. And, and hospitality was very common in the ancient world. Okay? There's nothing distinctively Christian about hospitality. But this is what Jesus brings that's very distinctive to hospitality. In the, in the ancient Roman Greco world, hospitality was all based off of re- reciprocity. You invite people to your home so that they can then in turn invite you to their home. And the people you choose to invite are people that are going to bring honor to your home. This is an honorable person. That's a uh, well-thought-of person, so I'm going to bring them to my home. In today's language, we say you bring cool people to your house, right? It makes you look cool. And Jesus does away with that whole model. He says, no, no, hospitality is not about this give and take of reciprocity. Invite people who can't possibly repay you. And the reason, he says here, is because you will be repaid by God. But even more than that, he says, because that kind of hospitality demonstrates the gospel. And this is the gospel, that God has welcomed in needy, broken strangers who cannot possibly repay him. (laughs) That's the gospel. And that's what he goes on to say in in verse 15 and following. He talks about this parable of the great banquet where a person invites a bunch of people over for a great banquet. And all the cool people are too busy to come, basically. They say, I don't really want to come. So then the guy says, all right, go out and Pick up these four people, the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and invite them into my banquet. I'm not going to have them left out. It's a picture of God's invitation to the kingdom and the kinds of broken, needy people that are welcomed in that can't possibly repay him. Of course, we all find ourselves in that position of the stranger, the needy stranger who cannot repay God for his hospitality to us. And so Jesus says, I want you to practice hospitality in ways that reflect God's heart for those who can't possibly repay him. That's the distinctively Christ-like spin on hospitality. Now, one more thing I want to say on this biblical overview is not just to look at Jesus' explicit teaching, but actually to look at Jesus' life. And this is, I want you to hear this. This is where the dynamics in hospitality get, I think, really cool, okay? Jesus is presented in two ways throughout the gospel accounts. The first, the one that we would think of, Jesus is presented as the ideal host, 
Okay? He is the ideal example of hospitality. You see him throughout his ministry welcoming in all these people, right? And he's welcoming people into relationship with himself that the religious community would never welcome. The outsiders, the strangers, the blind, the poor, the lame, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners, little children, people that society kind of put to the edge. Jesus is welcoming them in, and he's being presented as the ideal example and picture of hospitality. But here's the other dynamic in the Gospels. Jesus is also being presented, not just as the host. Jesus is being presented as the stranger. He's being presented as the guest who is in need of the hospitality of others. Okay, you with me? Okay, so if you think about Jesus' public ministry, his whole ministry is totally dependent on the hospitality of others. He doesn't have a house. He's traveling from town to town with his group of disciples. Every place he goes, he is dependent on the hospitality of other people, inviting him and his friends into their houses, providing food. He's, he's dependent on the, the uh, financial hospitality of people, of, of paying for the ministry. So he is, he is also the, the guest in need of constant hospitality. And it's actually his whole mission in coming to earth is in a sense that mission. He is a, it's a mission of a, of a stranger. Of course, he is the creator. But of the stranger coming and wanting to be welcomed, wanting to be received by people who should receive him and oftentimes instead being rejected, being left outside being excluded. This is how John summarizes Jesus' ministry at the beginning of his gospel. He was in the world, this is talking about Jesus, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. His own people, he was a stranger to the world that he created. He came to that which was his own, but his own people did not receive him. They did not welcome him. Yet to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. All that to say, Jesus is a host, but Jesus also experienced what it's like to be the stranger, the one who was not welcomed, who was not received. And what Jesus says is in his ministry is, I understand what it's like to be the stranger. And he goes on to say, and I identify myself with those out there, brothers of mine, who experience themselves as the stranger, the poor, the needy, those on the outside. Okay, I want you to think of this verse I'm going to put up. Very important for, for an understanding of hospitality. This is Jesus talking about when he's going to return. He says, the, I'm going to come back. This is the sheep and the goats passage, right? I'm going to separate, separate the sheep from the goats. And to the sheep, I'm going to say, enter into my father's kingdom. And they're going to say, why do we get to enter in? And this is what he says. Because I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And they'll say, when did we do any of this? We never did this for you. And, he, and Jesus says, yeah, but I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Okay, I identify, Jesus says, with those who are on the outside, who are in need of love and care and hospitality, those brothers of mine that find themselves in that situation. So in as much as you welcome them in, it's as if you are welcoming me in. So that's what creates this amazing dynamic in hospitality. And, and if, you, if you read the writings or, or, or listen to people who have committed their lives to a, a profound hospitality, I'm thinking of people like Mother Teresa or, or Dorothy Day, like these very amazing ministries of hospitality, you will hear from them 
the, the blessing that they, that they experience, the dynamic, because on the one hand, they, they have this opportunity to model the hospitality of God to those who need it. And that's a beautiful blessing. But the other dynamic is they, they actually see in the stranger, they see their Lord identifying with a stranger, and they actually have this beautiful opportunity to minister in a way that, that connects them with Jesus in this really beautiful and special way. So there's this unique dynamic of both kind of being an example of Jesus and at the same time experiencing Jesus through the stranger, through the poor, through the one who is in need of hospitality. All right, end Bible overview. You see that? Isn't that, a, isn't that a, it's an amazing picture of the gospel. It's beautiful. All right, let's get practical. How do we practice hospitality? How do we welcome people? And those are some pretty, I would say, pretty deep spiritual realities we were just talking about. What I'm going to say now, let's not make this too deep. This doesn't have to get too complicated. There's very simple ways to practice hospitality. I'm going to throw up a couple, and then we're going to have some stories shared. Um, practicing hospitality. What would this look like for you? This is where your own gifts and your own circumstance comes in. There's no, you know, one size fits all here. And again, I'm thinking, especially in the context of our neighbors and our neighborhoods, but obviously it applies beyond that. I want to start with presence. I know there are some of you here this morning that you're like, I know you've said all this, but my personality to actually invite someone over to my home and that, that feels overwhelming for some people. That's easy for me. That feels overwhelming. And I want to just start by saying we all, hospitality starts with our, hospitality starts with our presence. That we can, even if we're not having people in our home, we can be hospitable people who, who receive people, who create a safe space, a non-judgmental space where people can be themselves and be listened to, to be cared for. We all can do that. And so it starts that way. Uh, a couple practical ones. Some of you, I think sports and entertainment will be your doorway into hospitality. Okay, some of you will go home today and you're going to watch three hours of football this afternoon. I know this is going to happen. And for some of you, you'll be watching three hours of football. There will be somebody within 25 yards of you watching the same three hours of football. And there's a fence and a wall dividing you. Maybe that's your doorway to start watching the same football together. You know, I mean, who knows? So there's sports, there's shows, there's simple ways that you might be able to just begin to do stuff together. Uh, For some of you, your children will be the doorway into hospitality. Um, You have kids and their friends come over and you're hospitable to their friends. And then that creates a relationship with parents. That might be your way in. For some of you, food is going to be the doorway, right? Some of you love to cook and you love to feed people. And that's going to be the doorway. Uh, Do I have any more? I think that's it. Uh, Oh, and some of you are really um, committed to some long-term hospitality uh, opportunities. People who are doing foster care, foster adopt, uh, housing people for long periods of time. So there's, there's all sorts of ways we can do this. I should have put uh, pathology as a doorway into hospitality. <laughs> I can relate to that. Uh, so, I mean, I'm just throwing some things out. But for you, what, what is the doorway? Is it just starting with conversational hospitality? Are there, are there ways that you can imagine beginning to open your lives and even maybe open your homes, your apartments to those around you? Let me acknowledge three barriers that almost all of us will relate to, to hospitality. Um, I want you to reflect on these in a bit. Uh, first one, 
I think just comfort and familiarity. We, we like our lives to be comfortable and we like to spend time with people that we're familiar with. Um, our home group was talking about this this week. And we're like, you know, you, life is busy. And when you get your chances, you want to spend time with your people, you know. And we all relate to that. Like I want to, that, that Friday night, I want to spend it with my people. I've been working all week. I want to, I want to have that time. And so that, I just want to acknowledge that it's hard to get past that. Um, and yet how can we lean in from time to time towards what might feel a little uncomfortable um, I think we have an image of home that can get in the way. And Mark tapped into this. And, and I, I think we all relate to this. We, we want our house to be these safe fortresses from the world around us, right? I, I work all day or I'm out doing all these things. When I come home, I want that to be my respite. I want that to be my place of safety and rest. And, and that's, a, that's a beautiful part of home, of course. And so I think what hospitality is, is simply asking, how can we maybe expand that that place of safety and rest to others from time to time. How can we invite them in? Now, your home may not feel like a place of safety and rest. <laughs> it might be chaos. So it might be how can we invite people into our chaos. But I, I think we can have a model of home that maybe uh, isn't fully biblical, or at least it's partially biblical, but doesn't get to realizing, you know, family, marriage, kids are, are, are not the reason that we now seclude ourselves from our friends or from the world, but they actually create new opportunities to bring people into community. And so I think some of us need to just rethink our image of what family and home is all about. And then one more, I think this one's really important to say in Orange County. We have these expectations of excellence when it comes to hospitality, okay? So some of you, when you picture hospitality, you think of these immaculate homes, right? that are all around you. It might be your house too. But these houses that are perfect, you've got just the right candles burning in the right rooms. You have the right music and you have the right smells and just this epic meal, right? And some of you are gifted in all of that and you ought to use those gifts. I'm not discounting those gifts. But I think for those of you who don't feel gifted in that way uh, as much, again, I'm not discounting that. But I think we have this picture of what having people over for dinner has to look like in Orange County. And the bar is so high that we're just like, that just feels exhausting. I got one, one a year that I can do with that, uh, right? I mean, that's, that's a three-day, you know, prep and three-day, you know, recovery. So I think we just need to really lower the bar, really lower the bar for what hospitality is. I I read you some passages about hospitality. I didn't read all of them in the Bible, but I promise you, none of the passages in Scripture ever mention home decor, okay? (laughs) They never mention the type of food. They never mention the type of music, okay? Again, those are beautiful ways to make people feel included and safe, but um, those are not intrinsic to the biblical call to hospitality. So we, we need to lower the bar, um, I regularly talk about the ministry of mediocrity, okay? We need to embrace the ministry of mediocrity. It's a powerful ministry in Orange County. Uh, I heard one guy talk about uh, what he called haphazard hospitality, which is sort of the um, open-door policy, like a neighbor comes over, and then it's sort of the, hey, you, do you want us to come in and eat? And, you know, they've got four kids, and they're kicking toys away, and, you know, they're moving things around. Let's order pizza. We'll have pizza, and we'll, we'll do this. Haphazard hospitality, okay? All I say, lowering the bar, And I know that taps into some stuff in us, right? Because I know what it feels like to have a person in my house when my house doesn't look clean. That's a hard thing. But we all need to just lower the bar 
so that we can actually do this more regularly and not feel like it's such a challenge to get there.